0: Welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. The topic of today's show is the most recent live event from Falling Star Wrestling, which was fight night at the West Lynn Sports and Social Club. The room was packed, the evening was hot, and the crowd was raucous. We had five matches and an incredible event. And Jim and I are here today to talk you through what could have been Falling Star Wrestling's best ever show at West Lynn. Good morning, afternoon or evening. I'm your host for the show. My name is Patrick Vincent Crown. I also go by PVC and I'll be joined on the line by my tag team partner and good brother, Jimmy Starr. We've got a heck of a lot to go through today, so I'll quit chatting shortly. But before I do, we have two live shows this September booked up both on a Sunday afternoon. The first is back at West Lynn on the 11th of September and the other is in Watlington two weeks later on the 25th of September. If this past Saturday was anything to go by, these shows will be off the hook. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's chat West Lynn. The Wesleyan Sports and Social Club in Kingsland, welcome Falling Star Wrestling back once again for our monthly Fight Night event. And boy, howdy, was this a show or was this a show? Jimmy and I are here to run down the show and give our thoughts, feelings and opinions on what happened and what went down on Saturday. I'm going to throw this straight over to you, Jim. As the owner of the company, as a wrestler and as a mentor and trainer of a lot of the guys on the show, you have to be incredibly proud of the show that went on on Saturday, right?
1: Yeah, I mean... Overall, I th- I think it was probably one of the best falling star shows that we've ever that we've ever put on. Full stop. And 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 definitely the best show that we've put on at the Westland Sports and Social Club. The show had everything. You know, I didn't expect it to be that way, and that's always the way that best things happen. And it, you know, it's organically. We knew it was going to be an exceptionally hot day, and it was. And we also had a lot of our talent, our own talent and also talent that is normally seen at a falling star wrestling event, wrestling for other people. It was a, you know, big day for shows. So, you know, the guys are going to go over and, 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 and wrestle for other people. That's fine. You know, I'm not, 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 to cry on that um, but it left us with our own talent our own pool of talent guys that have come out of the falling star wrestling academy aside really from sassy and and maybe i'll think of a few more as we go along but aside from sassy who who's trained at, he has trained at falling star but he's also you know his main home training is away from falling star you know aside from that with you know it, it was all our guys it was all guys that you know, 10 years ago when I opened that school, you know, walked through the door and are now seasoned pros or guys that are, you know, coming up in the business, been training for up to up to a year or in some cases, you know, less than a few months. And they're thrown into that situation of having to put on a good show in front of a packed house, which again was amazing. I just didn't think in 31 degree heat that people would want to sit in the Westland Sports and Social Club and boil their asses off and watch a wrestling show. I just didn't think it would be the first thing that came to people's minds. But we had to get more seats out, and then they filled up, and then we had to get more seats out, and they filled up, and then it was standing remotely. It was packed, and with the, the the wrestlers having that excitement, knowing that they had the opportunity to showcase what they'd learned, it just created an incredible, incredible energy with the fans and the wrestlers. And it was contagious. I mean, after the show, I was, I was euphoric. And I haven't been euphoric about a show for years. I mean, of course I love wrestling. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be my 20th year, 21st year in a job if I didn't absolutely love wrestling. But you do become complacent. You do your match, you get through the show. You have your handshakes and back slaps at the end. Well done, guys, blah, blah, blah. And then you fuck off home and live your life. But with this particular show, it was special. It was really special, and th- and that's hopefully what we'll be able to together as we go along this show and speak and speak about the the events that transpired. Hopefully, we'll be able to to encapsulate that in in this podcast. Just how special that show was, because unless you were there, uh, it's not going to translate well for, for, on tape. It's not going to translate well on a mobile phone. Unless you were there, I don't really think you know how special that night was. But luckily, a lot of the guys, a lot, a lot of people were there to see that event, and the wrestlers that were there were the wrestlers, type of wrestlers who, are, who have come through the Falling Star Academy. Whether it be ten years ago, five years ago, or two months ago, they were the they were the guys who needed. To be there and be in that environment and have that kind of show to spur them on to do better and do more, including me. It was it was fucking superb. And I, I, can't, I can't, I don't really have the verbiage or the vocabulary to actually put over how great it was to be honest with
0: you yeah i just hope during this podcast we can really do it justice for those that missed out on that particular show we can really 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 emphasize how good that show was i mean you know we were in the westland sports and social club which isn't the biggest place on earth it's a nice kind of small room and when you get in there the 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 noise just resonates throughout and uh, you know we had we had five matches and like you said you said it before we didn't essentially have our top guys but it just made everyone perform that much better so i guess if we kick off on match number 1 it was yourself Jimmy Starr and you went up against Robbie Lewis we kicked off the show with a little bit of a rematch from Outwell the disaster artist took on the team of Robbie Lewis and Ollie Cole at Outwell and we managed to get the victory this week the two teams were sort of split into singles wrestlers to see who would come out on one on one action now I don't really know much about this match. I was in the back. I was getting ready. I was getting pumped. I was rubbing all the sweat off of me. So you were in the match. What I do know is I think you managed to pick up Robbie Lewis and body slam him. And you also gave him a big shower and a mouthful of water in the middle of the ring. (laughs) Jimmy, as you're in this match, do you fancy taking us through the story and how you felt in the ring wrestling uh, the Robster?
1: yeah it made sense for me to go one-on-one with 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 Robbie and we sort of played it like so we were half the the heels of Outwell and but I thought the guys put on a really good show out uh, well and against us one of those things where you know even though we had a really great tag match against them <clears throat> sometimes you know especially Robbie and Ollie aren't going to tag team. It's as simple as that. They, it's not really going to benefit them in their wrestling journey at the moment to be a tag team. Some people join this business to be tag team wrestlers. They haven't. So you know for them to to, to be a tag team and for me as a promoter and a coach to put them in a tag team early on is pointless other than for experience like outwell to wrestle us. So <clears throat> because of the Lack of wrestlers, really. We couldn't tag on that show because if we'd have tagged, there wouldn't have been enough matches to 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 pad out the show. So we had to sacrifice our our tag team for the better of the show, so that we would have enough matches. We would have the five matches, minimum five matches that I like to to make up a card. And yeah, I thought you know Robbie and Ollie were there, so I thought, well, let's spur it up. Let's just let's just give them a chance to. To see how they how they work with 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 us in a single aspect, and I thought that you know, match quality wise, you would get a much better match out of Ollie than I would, and I would get a much better match out of Robbie than necessarily you would. Not because we would have bad matches with either of them. It's just you know, you look at what the best match would be for that for for that particular wrestler. I think that Robbie's got the confidence and he's got the support of the crowd and he's got the gift of the gab. And we're quite similar in that sense. But in terms of athletic flair, you're not going to get a great deal of that out of Robbie and you're not going to get a great deal of that out of me. But what you are going to get is you – I'm a solid wrestler. man. that's what Robbie needs to learn to be in the future if he wants to progress he's never going to be doing moon salts he's never going to be well he might do i'm not putting him putting the man down but it's unlikely that he's going to be doing moon salts you know frog splashes 450 splashes so you know to put him against me in, a, in an opening match when he's popular i'm fairly popular we can we can just have a good double baby face match i know how to get the crowd going and he's advanced in that area as well. So we just, you know, he came out and he cut a promo and just said that, you know, he had a few goals that he wanted to obtain in his time in Fallist Star Wrestling before he moved on to Greener Pastures. And, you know, that was to, one was to win the Limitless title, one was to win the heavyweight title, and one was to, uh, for, for some reason, wrestle me. And it was weird the way he. It was quite respectful in a way because it was weird the way he worded it. And I don't know if he meant to word it this way or whether it was a mistake, but hopefully he meant to word it this way because it was a respect. He didn't challenge me to a match, but he asked me to come out and challenge him to a match, which was, which was, which showed a little bit of respect because it was almost like he didn't feel like he had the the authority to do that. So. But me being owner of the company, even though technically as I'm not commissioner, I don't really have the right to to decide whether a match happens or not. I don't think Robbie Reid as a commissioner would have been particularly bothered whether this match happened. And also the respect factor of asking me to challenge him was quite nice. So I came out and just, you know, and I'd I hurt my back actually earlier on that day in training and uh, i i i was I'm in an iron about wrestling or not' because it was a it was fucking boiling, obviously, but b my back was playing me up, and just didn't know if it would be a sensible idea to wrestle, but I've never been particularly sensible anyway, so we went in had a match I mean you know for the guys who were there who watched it, it was as basic as you could get. But we got the energy up in the room. We got there. You know, we got the heat there. We got the the crowd. Robbie had his fans. And then the same fans who were cheering Robbie one minute were cheering me. We did a a test of strength spot, which, you know, when I was in pain, people were cheering for me. But then I put Robbie down with a test of strength he would suddenly be in pain you know so it was almost like whoever was the one who was in pain and and, and selling and in the vulnerable position was getting cheered on so it was nice the fact that the crowd were were with us both and they were loud and I was amazed because it was hot and fuck me was it hot I mean I, I took a bottle of water out there and poured it all over my head before we started and that wasn't like a a thing to do to get a laugh or to get a G up or anything. I genuinely, before the match even started, I jumped in the shower with all of my gear on, just to get a nice, just to get, just to get cool before I went in there. And uh, Robbie did really well. You know, he's in there, he's learning, he's listening, he's absorbing the information. You know, it wasn't easy in that ring. You know, it wasn't on that night. It was hot, but the crowd were loud, and it motivated us. And Robbie listened and the match wasn't perfect but it didn't need to be perfect it's two big guys fighting he put me in some compromising positions i tried to slam him once my back went out and it legit went out my back pinged i felt it like a rubber band go in my back and like he should have done Robbie took charge of that he saw my back was hurt he's a wrestler and Robbie is a really, really nice guy. And I think that the crowd can sense that and tell that, but it showed he's got a bit of a killer instinct because he was giving me some four arms to my back and they didn't feel nice. He's a big man. He's smashing me on the back. He's smashing me on the back, but like a prick, I'm trying to slam him again because that's my ego. I need to slam this man. I need to pick this man up. I need to slam him try it again it isn't working so he goes to my back but this time he gives me the bear hug and he again he's a big strong guy he works out in the gym he's he's not a small man he's a big cumbersome man and he's squeezing my back and i can really feel my back I ain't doing too well with it and we get here and we fight and i fight out and i fight out I push and i push him away and anyway on the third attempt i can't remember exactly how it happened but I mustered up the strength and I managed to pop my legs up, boost him, boost myself up, boost him up. And I gave him a really sweet body slam and that just just knocked him off centre. Went for the pin, one, two, he kicked out. But I knew I had him then. Sometimes just experience is, is worth a thousand moves sometimes when you've got someone You know, when they're sort of, you just know, I I can't explain it. I wish I could. If I could, I'll tell you, I'll write a book about it, but I don't. You just know when you've got someone, you've got someone totally on the back foot and I hit him with the cut. It was a sweet cut, one, two, three, and I got the victory, but it was not easy. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just not easy because of my back. It wasn't easy because Robbie Lewis is a genuinely tough competitor. And if he keeps going the way he's going, listening like he's listening and learning like he's learning, then there's no reason he can't achieve all of his goals. It's just a bit early for him yet. And there were some little timing issues in the ring, just some little timing issues in terms of just letting me sell you know, my back's hurt, let me sell it, let me get it over to the crowd that I'm hurt because I genuinely am and I want a bit of a fucking break because my back hurts. But B, just just to get the story of the match over. That's the only feedback I could really think about that match. We didn't even run the ropes. You know, there was a there was maybe a post in there, there was a few bits in there. Uh, and actually he, he saved a bit of the match because I forgot one of my spots, which is sacrilege, but I forgot <laughs> the, whether he got to me or whatever. or I don't even think it was a spot. I just said at some point, I'll oh, do, do this and we'll go into this. But I forgot what, when that some point was. And I said to him, what, what, what's next? And he went, I don't really know. And then he just took over a little bit. It wasn't a problem. It, you know, it's just it what it was. And, and then I remembered it and I went, oh, yeah. And then just fucking cracked on. But just do little things like that. But uh, that was my fault. I mean, that wasn't his. It was, and then it, it realistically is one of those mistakes that wasn't a mistake because it didn't matter. That the only feedback I can give him is just let me sell that little bit longer. Just And just, you know, when I try to pick him up and I'm trying to sell to the crowd that my back's gone, just before you start smacking me in the back, just let me sell. Let the crowd know I'm in pain before you approach me and then start spanking me, because just, just, just for two reasons really. One, the crowd need to absorb the fact that I'm hurt, and they need to know that my back's gone. And two, if he comes at me too quick and starts beating me up too quick, it could in another match environment come across a little bit too heelish so if he wants to be a heel then great if he if he goes to another promotion they tell say Robbie Lewis you're heel tonight then yeah start smacking on someone but still just let that let it breathe for a second and let that baby face sell but that's experience that's all that is the rest of the match was perfect he listened well he did beautifully and again watch it and watching it on a phone watching it on on tape probably ain't going to blow your mind. But being there on that night in that environment, it was a lovely little opener, and he did well. And it wasn't like I didn't have a million and one things to do that night. I was rushing around like a tit in a trance, so we didn't get a chance to go over anything, really. That was more or less pretty much, much, apart from just the bare bones of it, the fact that it was built around a body slam, it was ad-libbed. He didn't... It was nervous. He didn't show it. Big fucking props to him. He gave me no reason to, to sit there and think to myself, oh, for fuck's sake, what am I doing with this guy? He really went out there, and like Robbie Lewis has done every time, he's just pulled it out of the bag. And that was the... That, that's the theme of this show. Just fucking guys, new guys, who are coming up through this Fallen Star wrestling system, just pulling it out of the bag. And that was the first example of it that night. Brilliant job from Robbie Lewis. I picked up the win on that particular occasion. Still just a great opener, good vibe, and a superb job done by by him.
0: Then we went into match number two. We had a triple threat match. We had the Sassy Bear Clarence versus Falling Star Wrestling Academy's JJ King and then versus Jaden Scar. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch any of this match. I know this is becoming a bit of a meme at this point with the boys in the back, but I was wrestling Ollie after this match, so I was getting ready, stretching, going over a few bits before the match kicked off. But there were a few notable things that I did see. I know that Jaden Scar left the match. Now, this to me didn't seem, I don't, I don't know, it didn't seem like a planned spot or anything. I was behind the curtain getting ready to go out. He just kind of came through and I thought, alright, that's that's the finish of the match. And then I heard Sassy and JJ still in the ring going at it and I thought, I don't know what's going on. He kind of walked by me. I, I looked at him. He had this sort of look on his face of just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. So I, You know, as as a friend, I was like, are you okay? I reached out to him, asked him if he was alright. It didn't really get any response from him. He then walked out the gorilla position behind the curtain I didn't see him for the rest of the evening, so I don't really know what was going on with him. I, I hope he's all right. Uh, I don't know whether he was hurt, whether he was pissed off or anything like that. But I did see that he tagged Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook, saying that he was going to do some video address. He did say that he's had a great 10 years in Falling Star Wrestling. I don't know what that means. But in terms of the match, I know that Clarence picked up the much-needed win in this three-way match. But I guess the big topic of conversation is is about Jaden. Jim, do you know any more than I know? I don't know. If, did you speak to him beforehand? After Was he okay?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a couple of things to address here. I mean, we'll talk about the match in a minute because I did see, I saw a decent portion of it. But I was sort of, I and mean, I know, really like to, whether to address the Jaden or for all intensive purposes, you know, if we just cut the ship for this particular part, you know, calling Craig, you know, like, I I, don't really, I don't really know Personally, what happened? All I can do is is be transparent with the with the fans and just say what happened throughout the day and and you know and tell you where we are at the moment. And to be honest, we are. I'm not really any clearer. But Craig, has always been, as you know, he's always been the consummate professional. He's a really nice guy. When he joined the school, you know, he was always really nice. and He's always been what, backstage in the locker room. He's happy-go-lucky like guy, right? I mean, like, he's, he's he's a good friend. I mean, over the years, 10 years, a long time, you know, he's he's, he's become uh, you not know, only popular with the fullest wrestling fans, but also, you know, backstage, everyone likes him and he's normally upbeat. i mean you, you can testify to that as well right he's just he's a good dude i mean he's a really nice guy like he's a fucking awesome guy i can't I can't really I'm, Basically, he's, he's, he's
0: just genuinely a nice bloke. Yeah, we, we've spoken to him on the podcast many times before. You know, we've gone over a few of his sort of favourite moments in Falling Style Wrestling. And it's always just a great crack. You know, he's always got good stories to tell. He's always up to something, whether he's DJing, he's working. You know, he'll always come up to you and shake your hand, give you a hug, ask if you're all right. And, you know, that that's somebody that you have to respect in the wrestling business. Somebody that's always got time for you. And, and Craig has, has always had time for me, which, which is great. So I've always got time for him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I don't know whether he's, you know, sometimes, you know, just, just get a bit pissed off at wrestling. I don't know if he's at that stage, but, I mean, he he walked in quite late on the Saturday, and he looked annoyed. Like, he didn't look happy. He looked pissed off. And he came to me and said, what's the crack, basically? And he didn't really say hello. didn't really shake the hand. He just, that was pretty much... And what he said, he said, what's the crack for tonight? I said, well, you're in a freeway with JJ and Sassy. And I said, you know, blah, blah, blah. I had a bit of a chat and he went, okay, and just walked away. I was like, okay, right, that's a little bit odd. And I didn't know if he'd been at work, had a shit down at work. I didn't know, you know, if his car broke down. I didn't know, you know, if he'd had family problems. I, I have no idea, no idea whatsoever. I just know that he was uncharacteristically pissed off. Just before we open the doors, we always just do a little sort of last minute check on things, you know, make sure no none of the wrestlers have left any of their valuables or their bags or anything like that. We check the ropes, we check the ring, we check something like that. Craig was in the ring having a, having a discussion with one of the wrestlers, and he left his hat in there. And when I said, like, guys, you know, 10 minutes till doors, can you please leave the ring? He left his hat in the ring. You know, he just got out of the ring and left his hat in there, a mistake. So I think it was Mitch Basher just got hold of his hat and put it to the side. and knew it was crazy. He was probably going to give it to him in the dressing room, but Mitch Basher, Paul, was tightening the ropes, making sure that the, making sure that everything was going to be, you know, the ropes were okay for the show. And Craig stormed back in and, and you know, basically had a had a nearly had a, a proper fist fight with, with, with Paul, Mitch Basher, over a hat. And, you know, this ain't Craig, do you know what I mean? This ain't James scar this isn't whatever. And, you know, Paul stood his ground and whatnot. And anyway, you know, after a few minutes it simmered down and but Craig sort of wouldn't would let it go in a way. And I, I said to him before I went backstage, I said, Look, you know, to the pair of them, I said, look, we're, we're pros here. Let's not go backstage with any bad feeling. Let's, you know, let's, let's carry on the shows like professionals. And Jaden went, yeah, yeah, all right, okay. And they, but him and Mitch, Mitch Basher, Paul, did the fist back, went backstage. Uh, and that was sort of the last I saw of him, really, until the end of my match, I quickly, literally rushed back the dressing room was quicker, jumped in the shower as quick as I could and got changed. I was still fucking what when I went to the merch stand. I saw the the last maybe half half of the match. And I saw Jaden in the ring and he just didn't look himself. He looked annoyed. He, he wasn't you know, he, he was the intensity was there and he was wrestling well. We had both of them down. They'd obviously agreed to get to. But he walked off and honestly that isn't what was going on. He just, that wasn't what was meant to happen. He just got, he just walked away from the match in the sort of falling star wrestling policies and procedures that would normally instigate a fine. Cause you don't walk away from the show. Do you know what I mean? If you can't make a show, for example, you can't make a show you sick. It's like ringing in sick for work. You can't do it. But once you're in the ring and you're committed to a match, you can't walk out of the ring and, and not give the people the, the the show that you've promised them. It's a kick in the teeth. It it, it looks bad for the business in Fallen Star Wrestling. To dissuade people from doing that sort of thing and to, to dissuade people from doing stupid things in the ring and keep it to the outside of, 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 of the ring, there's normally a fine involved. They carried on the match, and I sort of left post and ran backstage. And it's like, Are "You all right?" And he wouldn't talk to me. I said, to said, to Jaden, you all right? What's up?" And he wouldn't talk to me. I said, "What was that? What was the gimmick? Was that?" He just he just won't talk to me. Walked around the corner, walked through round out the back, through round the dressing room. I'm following him like a like a lost child, asking him, you know, "What's what's up?" wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't say a word. In fact, the only word he was saying would just leave it. Leave it, Jim, leave it. And he just wouldn't say anything. He was really pissed off. Went in, He, I think he changed out of his tights, put a pair of shorts on or trackies on, packed his stuff, grabbed his bag, and I'm walking to the car with him and I'm still doing the same thing. I'm virtually following him. He was saying, Craig, what's the matter? And there's fans out there as well. There's fans watching this, so this doesn't look particularly professional on fsw's part but i'm trying to find out what's wrong like i don't know what the company's done wrong i don't know what i've done wrong i don't know if he's got something going on in his personal life i don't know whether he's pissed off with a match i don't know whether he's been hurt and he's and he's trying to cover up for it the only thing i can say is about this particular singular incident and the post afterwards and you know and all the speculation and all all this all, all this sort of stuff is that you know people can speculate online as much as they want and they can speculate on on the situation as much as they want. But at the moment no one really knows, including me, what's going on. But the other thing I will say is Craig, Jaden Scar, whatever, however the fans wanna address him the fans love you, you know, the boys love you pieces. If you don't want to wrestle anymore, there's no one who can make it. Um, but if we can talk and work this out in some professional way, shape, or form, and also in terms of fines and in terms of policies and procedures, I'm willing to waver all that. And, I'm, you know, I don't care about that. What I care about is, you know, how you're feeling and your mental state i don't want this to be the way you exit the company it's not a case of i feel you owe us anymore i just feel like you're unhappy with something business related and fsw related and you know keeping things bottled up is, is, is never a good thing with mental well-being professional well being just be nice to just be nice to talk to him and find out what what, what what's wrong. Because I, I swear blind, swear that I have no idea what's happening to Craig, Jaden Scar, again. However you want to address him, I have no idea what's what what's going on. He's had an amazing ten years in Fullness Star wrestling. He's been FSW champ and he's got people who love, care and respect for him. I was dubious about talking about this on the podcast i suppose not not stop because you can never stop people from talking but you know and you can never stop speculation from arising on facebook and all that sort of stuff but like just but just to be straight with the Fallen Star wrestling fans and community who did witness some stuff that they probably shouldn't have witnessed that night i just want to say to them that that i have no idea what's going on in terms of what his future holds within this particular business. So I, it's a, this was a very long way of me explaining that I am no clearer than the fans, but I thought I would just explain the the line of events that happened that night and just give you the, the at least the truth as far as I know it. I don't care whether you choose to talk on a public platform like this or whether you choose to give me a call over the phone, mate, none of it's a problem. I just want to speak to you before before you make any final rash decisions based on just that one night. And if it isn't me that you feel most comfortable talking to, then talk to someone else so they can relay it to me, because we've always been straight with each other, and I consider him a great friend, and, yeah, one of the great Fallen Star Wrestling champions who, who's probably produced one of the best falling star wrestling moments in, in in history at Linsport, you know, pre-COVID. And I just, yeah, just want to know that we're here for him. That's all I can say. That's all I can say about it.
0: Yeah, I echo their sentiments. Craig, you know, if you're listening to this right now, I don't know if you will be or not, whether you're, you know, putting that to one side, whether you've just had a, you know, bad couple of weeks leading up to that or, or whatever it is, you, you're always welcome to reach out. DMs, give me a call, chat, whatever, you know, we're, we're here for you. And I just hope this is not the end of the road for you. I just hope it's maybe a bump in the road and you can carry on and, you know, get, get your mojo back and get back to the Craig that we you know we know and love. But that remains to be seen. After all that, Jim, are you ready to, to carry on talking about the show?
1: Yeah, I just want to quickly just just reflect on the actual match because the match was really good. We're talking, obviously, we've got Sassy Bear in the match, hugely popular wrestler, gets better every time we see him. His character's amazing. We had J.J. King, who obviously was a bit, you know, the sort of dark horse in the match. But the, the amount of improvement... From this match to the last match, obviously, out well. It was a bit of a sort of rushed four-way where he didn't really get to shine and show us what he could do. But in this match, he really did. You know, his strikes were looking a lot better. His timing was great. He was where he needed it to be. Jaden Scar, up until the point where he walked out, was just you know get. Great, you know, fiercely dominant, hugely intense. The guys had a really good match. They were putting on a really good match. It was incredible, and it was a match that that really kept that first half momentum flowing really well. The crowd were really into it. JJ was on fire. Sassy was on fire. A good win for Sassy. Just an odd ending, but I, 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 I just a, a good win for Sassy. But they covered it up well, him and JJ, they covered it up really well like pros. And just going from strength to strength, just more experience needed, more ring time needed. But for where he is and for how many matches he's had and to be put in that, to be thrown in that three-way with two experienced guys, he did really superb. And again, this is where the thread comes throughout the show, just the pride in the FSW Academy. Yeah, the match was cool. It was cool
0: wicked so after that match we had the third match of the evening this was pvc versus ollie cole it was the turn of the second artist of the disaster artist to grace the ring this time i was up against falling star wrestling's newest and brightest ollie cole and now ollie and i got to work together quite a bit in outwell in that tag so we had a little bit of a chemistry going on and i guess that's what you saw sort of putting this match together jim now the match itself was it was quite easy to plan because we worked together the week before we used a few of the same spots but tried to mix them up a little bit, so we knew that there was gonna be a lot of fans that were at Outwell that were gonna to come to watch us at Westlin, so we didn't want to do exactly the same thing, much like yourself. You put in a few, sprinkle in a few little spots from before and work upon those ones. And I think the Fallen Star Wrestling audience they're really starting to get behind Ollie now. This is his third match, he's getting these kind of really good pops. It really helps him having that music, you know. Bon Jovi living on a prayer, and the people were with him throughout the match, which was great. They weren't just with him for the you know for the the entrance to sing along for him to do his cool flips and stuff like that. Even throughout the entire match, they were with him, which is really, really, really cool. The story, I guess, that we had in the match was quite simple. It was experience versus inexperience, youth versus the old guard, and I guess power versus speed. And to kind of go through the match in the early stages of the match, I... Well, I didn't let Ollie completely take over, but he took over quite a lot of the match. Took him to the ground, but you know how quick and sort of nimble he is. He nips up, runs up the ropes, and does a jump, ducking, dive around. Spins me around, 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 and I'm just kind of... <laughs> You know, It's like I've been spun around in a, in a chair and I don't know what I'm looking at, where I'm going, and then boom, he hits me in the corner with a tornado kick, just glances me a little bit, head scissors, I go into the ropes, and then he's calling for his signature 619, and again, similar to, to Outwell, I spot this because I know what's coming here, he's called for it, I lift him up onto my shoulders, he wriggles down, he spins me around, lumps me with a big shot, and then gives me a nice wheelbarrow bulldog, and uh, then a spinning heel kick to add some insult to injury at this point, I'm just, I have no idea what's going on, I'm run ragged, I'm gassed, so I just leave the ring, you know, almost like a a heelish thing, I couldn't stand it any longer, I needed a breath, you were even out there as well, you came over to console me, asking what's going on, and I'm like, I have no idea, I didn't expect this, I thought, I thought I'd be in for a, for a nice kind of easy start, and then we'd build up to the, to the high flying stuff, and the spinning head scissors, and all this sort of stuff, but, you know, Ollie came out of the, he came out of the gate, Really, really gunning for me. So at that point, you'll you'll give me a hug, and then Ollie hits the ropes. You leave because you can see Ollie coming. I spot that you leave, so I jump out of the way, and Ollie goes for a baseball slide. I jump out of the way, and then I just start lighting him up with some chops. I didn't know what to do at this point. I thought, do I try and match him speed speed? Do I go in with a kick, something fancy? I was just like, what is gonna. What's well, going to incapacitate somebody with with so much kind of lung capacity in the in so much spring and energy and youthful exuberance? I just thought, I'm just going to chop the living daylights out of them because you, you know what happens with a chop? You just take the the palm of your hand and you slap it across the person's chest, and it just it just almost wins you. And I thought, if I can just calm yeah, well that's you the down. thing about
1: that's the thing about a chop, isn't it? It's not only the fact that it absolutely stings like a bastard. If you hear right, which which one of them you hit him with was yeah. an absolute perler, <laughs> like the one that you got him with, which was just just fucking a steamer. Not only would just sting to the point where your eyes fill up with water, it shocks your lungs. You can't breathe for a second. it's sort of, it's not a particularly nice thing to do someone because it a it stings. You've got that burn. You're winded. Your eyes are watering. It's not a good position to be in, and like you said, if you've been if you've been thrown around every way from fucking Tuesday, and it feels like you've been on about twenty roller coasters, it gives you a little bit of time to to get your head back into gear whilst he's, whilst he's trying to suck some wind in, and when it's thirty one degrees in the hall and the air is like soup anyway. It's probably the best move that you've ever fucking done, really, to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you. Like that's that's where that's where the experience comes in. Like, you know, that that's what that's that's why a chop works. People think chops, you know, oh, what are what you're doing is it you just trying to be Ric Flair. No, you're not, you're trying to fucking create that, that that shock on the lungs so it wins people. B you're trying to create that burning sting, so yeah, it's sore. See your eyes just fill up with water. You can't see. You can't fucking see it. It's a. If you get a good chop, it is a good move. If you get it right, and you and that one that you hit on Ollie, Jesus Christ, that was a fucking that was a home run. You swung, you swung and hit beautifully.
0: It was a bit naughty, wasn't it? So at that point, I managed to catch my breath. You know, take him around the ring, and you know, at one point, you were there outside with me. Robbie had come out to kind of you know cheer Ollie on. So I take Ollie over to Robbie and I say, don't don't you think about sort of helping your mate out here give him another chop send him into the ring and uh, yeah sort of i guess this is where we were gonna go for the heat unfortunately we did have a little bit of a miscommunication so at this point i was just going to kind of work on him do some heat do some slams and stuff like that i roll him in the ring i say go to the corner and then i realized that i forgot to to call a spot that I was going to do there because we hadn't planned this part so I, I ushered the referee over I get Danny and I said right go go over and tell him forearm bulldog but unfortunately I got a little bit lost in the communication and uh, Ollie thought we were going for another spot that we planned earlier so I just charge at him with my forearm ready and he just pops out the corner and just <laughs> hits me with this super kick and it's like at that point I'm like alright that wasn't meant to happen but I just kind of sell it as if like I, I'd take a bump on my ass. he's still selling his, his chest from the chops and stuff like that and I'm thinking right, I just had to take that second I take a bump and I'm like right how do I cover it so I grab the referee again I said tell him to come over and claim me and when he does that I just drive my shoulder into his gut and then we go you know to another spot there and I just buckle him in the corner, I say, this time, forearm, bulldog, hit him, bim-bam-bomb, and I thought, at that point, we didn't really need too much heat, I wasn't going to do too much to him, I was only going to give a few slams, so I was like, right, we'll go to the double down now, because, you know, it was hot, we didn't want this match to go on for ages, we had the the critique from Outwell, where we went on for, for quite some time, so I'm right, right, okay, I'll call for the double down, I attempt a suplex on Ollie lift him up once, no, lift him up twice, a little bit further, lift him up a third time, get him up, is he going to go over, is he going to go over, he starts wriggling his legs, he reverses it into a giant DDT, and then we're both down, at the count of five or six we both jump up, I get on my knees, let out a bit of a war cry, then hit a flurry of shots, line back elbow, hoist him up onto my shoulders, as I did earlier again, he wriggled down, but this time he's unable to get that forearm, because experience comes in, I duck it boom, hit the side effect for the, the near fall, and then this Point, I'm gonna go for a claymore. He he was going to hit me with the super kick, which was the spot earlier. We just kind of nixed that a little bit because he'd already hit a super kick. Don't want to be like you know the Young Bucks or the USOs and just hit a hundred thousand super kick. So I'm like, right, okay, drop toe hold, call the drop toe hold, go for the claymore, boom, hits me with the drop toe hold into the 619, boom, hits a rolling thunder, two and a half, boom, I kick out, and then at this point, you know, I've just been hit with a, a good couple of moves. I pull myself up by the ropes, and then he just comes up behind me, hits me with the. Boy 2.6 at this time slightly dazed and staggered, I, I don't know what happens, I turn around and he's right there boom, hits me with a pump kick to the face that sends me down for a 2.8 count, I kick out, but it's still not enough to put me down, so I guess out of I guess desperation, Ollie tries his wheelbarrow bulldog again, but then I counted this, pushed him into the ropes, and then without him seeing what was happening, because I pushed him with his front to the ropes, he hits his, his, his chest onto the ropes, and then as he spins around, I just snap, hit him with that code breaker, and unfortunately that was the end for the youngster, who, ah uh, he put up one hell of a fight and, you know, he wasn't able to get it done against this wily vet here, but he did amazingly. And, you know, this match for me was about putting Ollie through his paces, really testing his fortitude in the ring. I wanted to push him in terms of how many spots he could remember because he did so well at Outwell. I just thought, I reckon you can do that little bit more you know we, we spoke loads in the ring we were always talking we were trying to use the ref as much as possible we we didn't go too fast but when we when we wanted to go fast we went fast but then we brought it down for the uh, for the other bits I, I didn't want to i didn't want to squash him i didn't want to come across as too healy or anything like that you know he's had a squash match before he's had a tag match before this is his i guess first proper competitive singles match and i thought Ollie did incredibly well. Like he's so talented, athletic, he's really humble. And even though he's at that stage where, you know, he's starting to get on shows, he's starting to, to to learn this this professional wrestling business, he still really wants to do a million spots and a million moves. But I guess when you're in there with somebody like me who can't do a million spots and a million moves and knows that a million spots and a million moves don't necessarily work. I think that's a good kind of chemistry to put in there. You know, I I, I let him pick quite a few spots, but then it's like, right, okay... We're just gonna chop half of those out, and then we're just gonna have this match. And I guess maybe in his mind he's thinking, "Ah, oh, I'd really, really like to to go and do all of these cool spots and stuff." But it's like, if you pick the right ones and do them in the right way, and the, and they're in the in the right place, you can you can really get a lot out of them. And you know, I let him get about eighty percent of the offense because I knew I was gonna come out on top. Like, why would I just go in and squash him? Because that doesn't do anything for him. Doesn't really do anything for me. I knew I was gonna get the win, so that's a big you know tick for me. And the the tick for him was that he got to go in there with with you know a decade long veteran and just spin me around and, and get me going do all these cool spots and you know the crowd were really there with him and it was it was just really really cool. So you know I planned the whole match with with all of this in mind really trying to play on the themes of understanding each other's styles and how we work we're trying to call back moves that we were done earlier you know like he did the 619 I caught him the first time and then he learned from his mistake and he hit me with a 619 same thing. I get him up on the shoulders he slips down the first time he spins me around clatters me the second time I learn I get the upper hand by remembering what he did last time it's kind of very simple wrestling but if you don't do those things it it just seems like you're sort of like you're doing them for no reason and I guess it was also babyface versus babyface which is which is very difficult to do but I think we managed to really show that it was just pure competition you, you could say that I maybe leaned a little bit more especially when I was handing out chops like Christmas presents <laughs> but I never got booed neither did Ollie so it was a fair match between two guys who just wanted to go out there and have the best match possible which I think we did in you know under the circumstances there was no meat to the story there was no no heat other than you know how hot the room was so we did the competition we did experience versus inexperience and we just had a really really good time and you know as a step through the curtain i was i was congratulated by a few of the boys who really enjoyed the match and if they were happy and i was happy and ollie was happy i guess it had to be decent and i know you were ringside jim how how did it feel and look to you mate
1: the thing that amazed me about it is is, it's ollie's third match it's not like he's got you know even into double digits yet and he's pulling off matches like that and i think that's why the crowd especially after this match Had so much respect for him because he put you can. He's one of those wrestlers, he's like Jack. You can see that he puts everything into everything he does. You know, he's not frightened of making mistakes, he's not frightened of getting hurt, he's not frightened of commitment, he's not frightened of anything really. He's got balls of steel, and you found that out when you wrestled him. There's Things watching as a coach and as a teacher and as a hopefully some kind of mentor, and I'm sure that you would have given him feedback on, but one one major thing for me, and, and this is something that the crowd wouldn't notice, but wrestlers would, would, is the fact that towards the end of the match, when you're exhausted and the heat's got to you and you've been hit with all of his moves and he's been hit with all of yours, and you're coming just to that home stretch. You know, he looked fresh as a daisy. But because he was excited, you look like you were fucked. He's just got to learn to slow down a little bit. Just realize where he's at in the match. And if this was a legitimate competition, this guy at this point of this match would be absolutely exhausted. And he didn't show that exhaustion. But it's his third match for me to be pointing that out is so advanced in, in terms of where he should be. I mean, I should be fucking like, you know, picking him up on his footwork and ring positioning and stuff like that. But he's just, he's just a natural athlete and he's got it and he's going to be really good. And I think that even though my match was double baby face, your match was double baby face the match the second match again apart from the the, the end which we 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 discovered was a really exciting match the whole first half it had a really nice story arc in terms of we are the the veterans you know we do know what we're doing. We do know how to make people shine and we do know how to get the best out of our opponent's strengths. And that was shown on that first half and that's not blowing smoke up each other's asses. It's just what you do when you're a professional wrestler and you're a veteran. What you try and do is, is you try and teach the younger generation of wrestlers not just outside the ring, but inside the ring. And on shows, you try and teach them how to get themselves to a point where they're, you know, they're they're, they're professionals and they can teach someone else one day. It's a never-ending cycle. It's just, it's a wrestling circle of life. So that's definitely my job. You know, you've got some mileage in you as a competitor in in, in yourself. I haven't anymore. You know, as I, as I said, the day I started falling star wrestling was the day I forgot about my own career and started trying to put it into into a promotion and investing in, in new wrestlers. That story arc of, okay, we beat them as a tag team and now we beat them as singles, but it weren't easy. It was hard. And these guys have got really, really bright futures. If they stay on the path, they're staying on. And they were really, even though we won, they were really the stars of that match because they shouldn't, there's no way in a million years they should have got as much offense, as many moves, and be be as popular with the crowd as 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 we are because of the amount of time we've been doing it. There's there's no way, but they they did it, and there's there's no jealousy on our part. There's pride. That's actually the case. We all got in the ring and we raised their hands. And I got on the stick and just briefly said how how amazingly well they were doing and how you know how, how, how if they carry on the way they're going they're gonna be you know they have the potential to become future superstars not just in fallen star wrestling but in the world of professional wrestling and that was that was a really nice wrap up and a really nice story arc to our storylines for those guys I mean we might meet them down the line somewhere along you know somewhere down the road but. Probably won't be for a while. It was just, just a really good feel-good scenario, and the fact you had, and especially in your match as well, you had such excitement in your match. You had Robbie on the outside cheering Ollie. You had me on the outside, obviously cheering you. You're my tag team partner. You're my brother. You know, I I, I want to see you win, but that still doesn't stop me looking at Ollie and thinking, fuck me, this guy's a, a, a protege. Like this guy's, this guy's could be one of the next big things here. And and spotting that and being proud of that as well. So there's obviously pride in you for doing your job, pride in him for doing his job. And yeah, I could sit there and give you know and say, well, you know, he was slightly out of position for this, and he could have extended a little bit more here, there, and then, but. That's not the point. The point is, is how did the audience feel after that first half? And I think they felt fucking amazing. And that was where it was like, if we can keep this up in the second half, we've got one hell of a show on our hands. And luckily, we sort of did, really.
0: We most certainly did. After all of that action in the first half, we had three matches. We went into the interval. We allowed the crowd to step outside for a moment, catch their breath, wipe their brows, grab a cold drink, and chill out for 15 minutes while the while the balls in back got ready for the second half. We came back with match number four. We had all-pro Sean Stone, who was flanked with Samuel Bloody Wakefield, who was going up against Falling Star Wrestling Academy member Alex Miller. And, yeah, after the interval, I had recovered from the match, so I decided to join yourself at the merch table to enjoy the second half's action. So we had we had prime viewing for the next two matches. Now, on paper, and this is probably going to sound a little bit harsh, I didn't think that this match was ever going to set the world on fire. You have three guys out there who are still under the learning tree, who are getting better and better each time they're in the ring. but. I will gladly eat my hat or any other piece of clothing, because I was wrong to assume that this match wouldn't be stellar, because it was, like, so, the the massive advantage that these guys had was just heat. And just great, simple, but mega effective story. Like over the previous week, Sean Stone has picked up a few losses to the likes of Bulk and Jaden Scar, and one of these losses was via DQ. And now, sort of, Sean Stone has been complaining that his matches aren't being fairly officiated. He's having a go at the commissioner, he's having a go at the referees, and stuff like that. So, Samuel Wakefield decides to go to the very tippy top of Falling Star Wrestling HQ and demands that he, who is now apparently a fully trained referee with a degree in a and a certificate and everything that he's now going to be refing Sean Stone's matches from now on. Now he did claim that this was going to be a fair and you know down the middle kind of match, but was that the way it went? I guess in a word, no. So the match started it was fair enough with each wrestler taken to the to the corner and then Wakefield administering the 5 count fairly which was quite good it was a nice way to to start off the match but then as the match progressed and as it went on a little bit more you know the odds just started to stack up against Alex Miller and any time that Miller was gaining any momentum Wakefield would either stand in his way or provide some of the slowest counting in wrestling and known to man and this kind of grew and grew nice and slow Slowly and I just remember us being at the merch table and i was looking over at you and you know this sort of smile of like Oh, what are they doing in there sort of became sort of frustration and then anger and then because as Alex Miller was getting more and more agitated and angry with Rake Wakefield, the audience were just there with him. And you know, when you've got a baby face that's given a monumental task of overcoming both your competitor in the ring and the crooked referee, you know, you're just going to get more and more angry. Which I thought Miller did beautifully. And eventually there was there was nothing that Miller could do to put Stone away because each time he hit a big move or he grabbed a pinning combination, Wakefield just slowly got to the floor, started to count one two and then by that time Sean Stone had kicked out and I guess <laughs> to that point Alex Miller was just about to lose his rag with the referee, but you can't you can't touch a referee, you'll just get disqualified. And then I guess Sean Stone comes up behind him as Alex Miller is getting a talking to by Wakefield. He rolls him up with a simple, simple schoolboy, and then boom, Wakefield slams into action, Bum, boom, boom, one, two, three, super fast count. Miller kicked out at basically one, but it wasn't enough to kind of kick out in time. And then the two of Wakefield and Sean Stone managed to just kind of leave to a chorus of shouting. And didn't,
1: booing and... Didn't he hit him? With, didn't he hit him with the skull crushing finale? He did him with that, didn't he? He, I think he, he did uh, earlier uh, for I, a
0: near four, didn't
1: he? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just remember, remember that. that. Yeah. I just, I just remember him doing that. And I, I was thinking. I mean, if he did kick out of that, he did bloody well. I, I, I can't, I can't remember the exact finish. But yeah, if it was a skull boy, I do apologise. But, but yeah, what, what, whatever it was. Extreme, an extremely fast count was administered. Yeah,
0: and boy, they did Miller dirty, very, very dirty. Like, and the the match itself, like, it was just a really superb piece of business. Now, I've been to wrestling shows before, and they've done the whole crooked referee gimmick, and it works. It works so well that the anger and the frustration and just the annoyance that the crowd feel when this is going on, it's it's palpable and real, and you can just you can sense the the disgust and vitriol in the air and. You know, Miller and Stone, uh, the action wasn't as as polished as, as it could have been. But the match, it wasn't about action. It wasn't about moves. It wasn't really even about wrestling. It just all hinged on that story, which, you know, all three men inside that ring did incredibly well. And it's going to further the story along for Sean Stone and Samuel Wakefield really, really, really nicely. And I don't know how long this is going to continue for. But if it's going to go on for a little while, these two are going to get nuclear heat and I just hope they're going to maintain it and grow it and see where it's going to evolve into and then maybe somewhere down the, down the line you get a mega baby face who's going to somehow overcome it. I don't know how you're going to overcome a, a crooked referee who's not even going to count. You know, if if, if we hit somebody with, with, the, with the burial which pins people, you know, nine out of ten times and they're down for ten, if the referee doesn't count, it doesn't count as a victory. So I just don't know how how it's gonna work, but I'm excited to see, and it's nice for these guys to to have a bit of meat and a bit of story and just a nice bit of heat, especially for Sean Stone, because he's he's the only person in the Falling Star Wrestling Academy that is is heel right now. You've got like Miller and Robbie and Ollie and JJ and all of these guys who are just super over Uber babe faces and then you've got Sean Stone to the edge there who just doesn't give a damn. Who puts his arms out he's all pro and I just I just love this segment and I can't wait to see what they're going to do and just there was growth overall uh, for all people involved in this match. Jim, you were there watching it with me. What were your thoughts?
1: As uh, some of of you uh guys may or may not know the guy i usually use to referee is actually all pro sean stones it's his young son but he's an incredibly skilled referee and i've and i've spotted that and i've been using him for quite a while for a very young man he's skilled he doesn't take any bullshit especially off of the bad guys you know he's he's vigilant he spots things of course he makes mistakes but we, you know, everyone does. And being a referee, guys, if you know, if, if anyone wants to give it a go, by all means, come to the Fallen Star Wrestling Academy. Uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of rules, and a lot of bases you have to cover being a referee. And when you're that guy in there, and you're the official, and you're the you're the guy who's who's technically meant to be keeping things in order, it's not always the case. But I've been extremely impressed with with all-bro Sean Stone's son, but, you know, he's he's had to count some, some pinfalls for his dad. So his dad has suffered some losses because his son has been, quite rightly, a fair and just referee and just because his father is wrestling, he's not giving him any leeway. So what this lead led up to Samuel Bloody Wakefield becoming a referee and getting his referee's license, which I do need a double, triple check on, is because Sean Stone has grounded his son. He's still his dad and he's grounded his son. And that pissed me off because I had to then get my commissioner to be the master of ceremonies and then get my master of ceremonies to be the ref. So it's pissed me off because it's screwed with the whole sort of structure of the show when we were running on a skeleton staff crew anyway. So it wasn't particularly helpful on my behalf. So, yeah, so I don't know how long this grounding has lasted. But I think that, you know, Sean's boy has got some got some balls on him for someone, you know, of his teenage years. And will have something to say to Samuel Bloody Wakefield... But the thing about it is, again, you can't help but be entertained by Samuel Bloody Wakefield. The way he slowly took his shirt off, his stupid fucking dirty charity shop shirt and his silly little fucking top. And then he had that referee shop shirt underneath. And the way he just arrogantly gets on the floor and was... You know, he was practicing his, his, his counts on the floor and, you know, moving his, his shoulder just to get warmed up to be a referee. Just total arrogance. And total arrogance in his promo and his presentation. And it works beautifully with Sean Stone. Alex Miller never stood a chance. And I doesn't mean that he never stood a chance against all pro Sean Stone. With a decent ref, like all pro Sean Stone's boy, he was... At a total fucking vertical hill to run up, and it just wasn't going to happen. The fans were lapping it up. They were on Alex Miller's side. All pro Sean Stone. He did what he needed to do, which was very little. Samuel Bloody Wakefield conveniently was there at the when when Sean Stone was on top, and conveniently was looking away when Alex Miller was in a position to win the match. He wouldn't let Alex Miller hit his panted drop kick. In the end, Alex did manage to hit it, but by the time he covered him, you know, Samuel Bloody Wakefield ain't counting. It's beautiful, it's it, it's it's pantomime, but it's also Shakespearean. It's it's true tried and tested formula for driving the crowd insane. Which is what wrestling's about it's about evoking a response from the crowd now if that dynamic isn't done well and the story isn't done well and the wrestlers aren't where they should be telling the story as they should be and samuel bloody wakefield isn't fully committing to this then this becomes just another shit house, confused. You know, from what I've seen in so many, you know, mud show wrestling fucking things that I've been on or seen in my time, it becomes confusing and badly done, and becomes a bit of a laughing stock, and you don't get the full amount out of it. But these three guys played their parts beautifully, and it was extremely frustrating but also extremely fun. And Alex Miller, you know, I apologize, buddy, but fuck me, I was laughing my ass off. You didn't have a chance. And that that win or loss, you can't turn around and say, well, you know, Alex Miller lost that match. And, you know, I know it, might, it may show up on the records, but when you see that the referee for the match was Samuel Bloody Wakefield, you know, you, you knew that Alex never stood a chance. You knew it was all about Sean Stone, and Samuel Wakefield getting their brand out there, getting their characters out there. And again, like I said, two guys from the Academy who are extremely, extremely talented for the amount of time they've been they've been wrestling. They did their part perfectly. Samuel Bloody Wakefield isn't actually as inexperienced as we as we think. He's been a manager for quite some time. I think he's been around the horn for a, lot, a while, so he does know what he's doing. I don't know if he's ever refed, but you know, by the looks of that match, probably not. But he's got his character down. And for all intensive purposes, this piece of business, you know, would, would evoke some, some, some comments on Facebook as well. And the people are saying, asking me, they're asking me and it's nothing to do with me anymore. You know, this is what the commissioner's job is. They're asking me whether Samuel Bloody Wakefield will be a referee for all pro Sean Stones matches. And the answer is, for the foreseeable future, yes, until I can get some more referees. And until all pro Shawn Stone, you know, take, at the end of the day, he might be a falling star wrestler, but he's also one of my best referees as a father. So it's, it's down to him how he parents is his kid. Until then, I, I, I Samuel Bloody Wakefield is going to be all pro Shawn Stone's ref. So any opponent that goes up against Shawstone Stone needs to, yeah. Needs to have a little bit of a rethink of their tactics and probably not play by the Marquis of Queensbury Marquis rules because they're definitely not going to. Yeah, but, oh, it was fun. It was fucking fun, and I just thoroughly I really enjoyed it. You know, good job. And it incited the crowd, and they were ready. They were ready for the main event. It was beautiful. Up until this point, I'm sitting here thinking, fuck me, this could be amazing because I know the talent that's going to come out next, and it's it's building up to be one hell of a finale.
0: Exactly. We had match number five, the fifth and final match of the evening. This was the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Championship match. We had the team of The Sound, Bobby Adams, George Rashwood with Brody Knox against the champions, the NLP, Mitch Basher and Crowley. And this was a match that people have been waiting for. Were The Sound finally going to deliver on their promise of dethroning the current FSW Tag Team Champions, the NLP? Well, Mitch Basher and Crowley were hurt and wounded heading into this match, and uh, Adams and Rashwood had done everything they possibly could have to ensure that the belts changed hands at West Lynn. The Sound, with Brody Knox in tow, walked to the ring with confidence and superiority, with a swagger, and said to the crowd sitting and standing that they were going to be the winners, and they were already the winners because they had kicked Mitch Basher in the head and caused him to miss out on Outwell. They'd put Crowley's arm into a chair and stamped on it repeatedly. So we just had Rashwood declaring that the NLP should just come out and hand over their titles and go home and live to fight another day. Unfortunately for Rashwood and Co., The NLP had other things on their mind, and the things they had were retribution, revenge, and rage, and they weren't going to go down without a fight. And boy, was this a fight, with the level of hatred between these five people... You know, the match was never going to start off with headlocks and hammerlocks, was it? It started as it meant to go on. There was brawling, there was chaos, there was excitement, and early on the NLP managed to get the advantage, with Crowley delivering a massive, thumping, disastrous powerbomb on the apron to Rashwood. Again, we were at the merch desk, we were watching this. This was was sort of part pain, part pleasure. We knew what Rashwood was going through. The the pain must have been shot up and down his back, but there was a little bit of what, what they call schadenfreude, you know, we, we, we had happiness in his misery there, and yeah, it looked like the, the vocalist of the sound was dead and buried for a while, and it was just uh, Bobby Adams and Brody Knox to handle the NLP, but eventually Rashwood managed to scrape his broken body off the floor, and then the numbers game came into effect, with Brody Knox causing enough of a distraction for the sound to get the upper hand. And they worked on the wounded Crowley, who had his arm all taped up, and yeah, they just cornered the injured animal and worked over Crowley's left arm, tugging, pulling, bending it into positions it shouldn't go. And that's what that's what the specialist, the technician, that Bobby Adams is is there for. He's gonna he's gonna twist and turn and bend and break arms and legs and limbs, but particularly Crowley's arm. And Crowley, he was doing some amazing selling, like really good, realistic selling, and he really managed to get sympathy for the NLP, which is. I This is something that I didn't really think I'd be saying on a Falling Star Wrestling podcast, but here we are. The, the, the sound they are deathly hated, and the NLP were as over as I've ever seen anyone in Falling Star Wrestling. It was kind of a topsy-turvy land that I've never been in before, but I was loving absolutely every second. Eventually, Crowley managed to get the tag to Mitch Basho, who comes in to the ring with a house of fire and it was just great he was sending each member of the sound crash into the mat boom clothesline boom clothesline he's sending them into the corner he hits him with a with a forearm and then he pulls out something i've not seen him do in years hits the forearm turns his back to his competitor and then over his shoulder hits a Samoa Joe style Pele kick, which looked fantastic for a man. His side, Mitch Basher, he's got such agility and for him to just wallop Bobby Adams and George Rashwood in the head with those right kicks, it was just amazing. Now, I can't recall at which point this happened. It could have been before the hot tag or after, but Falling Star Wrestling Commissioner had just seen enough of the numbers game. Unfortunately, our referee for the evening, Danny Fear, he couldn't look in every direction. You know, There were five people out there causing chaos and mayhem, and it just got to the point where uh, Commissioner had had enough of the numbers game from The Sound, and he sent Brody Knox packing into the back, and that was just an incredible moment as well, and it really, really got the crowd on their feet, because up until that point, it looked like The Sound, were gonna, they were going to steal this one when he sent Brody Knox to the back people were just like yes get out of here, you you harlot you you whore, and all this sort of stuff and it was it was all very I, very they were exciting calling their
1: worst <laughs> they were calling a worse fucking names than <laughs> that mate
0: yeah, exactly so this alongside the, the the fire by Basher you know they were showing above all odds maybe the tag team champions could retain their titles and that was until our referee for the evening we talked about him, Danny Fear he got himself into a, a bit of an unfortunate position and that was between a couple of wrestlers and he was squished in the corner. Now with the referee down, Brody Knox picks her spot perfectly, comes back into the fold and then the sound managed to hit a double team finish on the NLP resulting them. In getting the visible win over the NLP. They had one of the members, I can't remember if it was Crowley or Mitch Basher. But they had them down. The person was on top pinning them. And it was definitely a three count. It may have even been a four or a five count. But because the referee was down, it did not count. So again, it was the Falling Star Wrestling Commissioner had to step up. He goes into the ring to count the four. But because the the person had already been on the floor for at least sort of four, five, six seconds... They managed to kick out a two, which meant that the uh, the sound didn't capture the Falling Star Wrestling tag team titles and the NLP were alive again. In the commotion, Brody knocks, she's knocked off the apron again, the crowd are rupturous about that. And then Rashwood, as the, uh, the referee and the commissioner were slightly distracted, he just wallops Rashwood in the balls, which, you know, in and of itself is a really heelish move, but that got a big reaction from the crowd as well because the sound are just so hated and they just wanted to see the NLP do anything, whether it was within the rules or not, they just wanted to see the sound get beaten up, so the NLP take full advantage of this and finish off the sound with a crush in the corner, followed by the psycho knee by Basher for the one, two, three, and still your Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the NLP, and what a piece of business this was. Just incredible! It was a magical way to finish off what was a fantastic night of pro wrestling, however, it wasn't quite over there, the sound. They're very, very pissed off and very, you know, arguably so. They thought they had those titles wrapped up in a bag, taking them home to Norwich or wherever they come from. So we're standing there. We're loving it. We're happy as Larry. We're clapping the NLP for beating the sound. Rashwood comes over. He's he's pissed off. He grabs some water and he throws it in the face of Jimmy Starr. And then he just scarpers and pegs it out of the arena. But uh, in the uh, in the chaos, we managed to jump over the, uh, the merch desk, grab his partner, Bobby Adams and we just go to town on Bobby Adams bouncing his head off the table we run him outside we throw him into one of the storage lockers you hit him with a suplex on the outside the people come from inside to the outside to see what's going on akin to what happened in Outwell with uh, with Big Joe and Brett Semtex and the, and the UKP and people are out there just wanting us to beat the living daylights of Bobby Adams so I get on top and ground and pound we throw him into the thing and then we head to the backstage area and that was the end of the night the NLP. Stand strong in the ring as tag team champions, loved and elated incredible, incredible work done by all, and I couldn't have been happier with the match, and the show in and of itself, from from the moment we all turned up at Wesleyan, it, it could have gone either way, you spoke about it in the intro the weather, it could have caused a bit of a washout in terms of attendance the lack of wrestlers and matches it could, it could have taken it in any direction that we weren't prepared for, but through all of that, we had a packed out hall, a red hot crowd that was up for everything, and all the boys and girls in the back, putting so much effort and thought into their matches, which is great, whether it be action, story, emotional, or just just all in all entertainment. Everything hit and it was just, it was lightning in a bottle that is going to be really hard to replicate in the future, but I have confidence in you, me and everyone involved in Falling Star Wrestling that we possibly can do even better than that show. And I think last Saturday set the standard for shows to come. Jimmy Starr, I've spoken a lot about this. Let me hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've you pretty much encapsulated everything there. I mean, the match, going back to the match, it was superb. It reminded me, the, the, the thing about, the, if you're going to look at it from a, a, a technical point of view, as someone who knows the wrestling business and someone who, who you know, has been involved in a job in a long time, someone who watches professional wrestling on television and someone who's grown up loving it and you see guys that you've had a hand in training pulling off a match like that which had so many twists turns using inside terms but like moody tags you know fucking false tags little bits and bobs and spots where people needed to be cheating, needed to be looking away referee bumps, commissioners coming in and fucking counting the threes, massive false finishes, all this chaos, but the crowd got every single beat of that match they were so invested in it, they were so invested in it that it just, it just goes to show a couple of things, one that the wrestlers, before they even got into the ring, were over. Now, a few things in life I never thought I'd see. I never thought I'd see Donald Trump become president. I never thought I would be on earth whilst a worldwide pandemic swept the nation. But beyond all that, I never thought I'd see the NLP as good guys, as baby faces. I never thought there'd be a team that could come along that were more hated than the NLP. But it, it has happened in the sound. And just looking at it from a show perspective, obviously there's always got to be a villain. And they've really tapped into to, to their characters. George Rashwood has tapped into that. just Just vile. He's got every vile trait you could possibly want. Bobby Adams is your Anderson fucking technical just proficiency killing machine. And then you've got the valet on the outside. Again, the ultimate opportunist. The, you know, she doesn't care whether she's being called a slut, a slag, a this or that, the other. She's there to make sure that her guys win the match. And it's old school ethos with a little bit of, you know, modern style stuff into it. Very sort of seemed like a very attitude era style match with a lot of things going on. But to pull that kind of match off, to pull that kind of match off with that amount of stuff going on in it, it is, is so difficult, but they managed it perfectly. And, yeah, the bit, you know, with us at the end, that was all fun and and stuff, and it, it left the crowd high because, you know, at the end of the day, the NLP have just won. They've got a massive pop there. You know, they, 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 who knows what's going to go forward now? I have no fucking idea. We're in Bizarro world. I think, you know, it, it, the NLP the. The roof blasting off the place in elation that they won. The whole show was just done so well. Everyone, everyone in that show, just excelled. Everyone was just a hundred percent that night, you know. And based based on their ability, based on how long they've been wrestling, and based on the crowd, the crowd were 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 amazing. Everything was against us. We had the skeleton crew. We had, you know, basically a pros versus trainee show. But somehow all the fucking stars aligned. Everything just collided into this explosion of, of fucking joy, creativity, excitement, despair, joy. People throwing their babies up in the fucking air. It was controlled, beautiful chaos. And there's, there's, there's no real way I, I can describe it. And I because I was out there watching a lot of it, I was immersed in it. And I was involved in it as the crowd were. And to get someone who's been in a job for 21 years, who fucking, you know, put the card together and set out the show, for me to get immersed in it, how fucking good a job must have everyone done. It was brilliant. I can't thank everyone enough for for being a part of that show. Not just because they put on an amazing show and the crowd absolutely loved it, but because they gave me that boost I needed as a wrestler and as a promoter to really feel like actually Falling Star Wrestling is special. It's lightning in a bottle and we are continuing to grow We're continuing to get better. The academy is going in the right way. And that's not just down to me. That's down to people like Furio and yourself and Jaden and Crowley, Mitch Basher and people whose names I'm going to forget to mention. But, you know, Bobby Adams, all these guys just, we're all trying to support each other. We're all trying to get, falling star to work we're all trying to get it off the ground to 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 be noticed and to be a little jewel in the professional wrestling world you know we might not have all the fucking wrestling magazines and wrestling websites and whatever and you know going crazy talking about us and whatever but we create magic i just, I can't think of another show that I've seen or even been a part of, you know, that's had that kind of energy. Just not had it. To create that kind of magic in a hall that size with the guys that we had that night was, was, was amazing. So I can't thank everyone individually. I think I did that that night. I hope I did that night because, like I said, I was elated. If you could bottle that feeling up that we all had after that show and sell it you'd be a millionaire because there is nothing like it and hopefully for the fans it's the same too and i think it is they live vicariously for us and in a way we live vicariously through their energy because we've all got to go back to to life but to be a part of something like that that night there's only you know a Couple of hundred people who got to experience that, and hopefully, hopefully, they'll remember it for quite some time. Now, this isn't the peak of falling star wrestling or of a wrestling. You know, we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to do a hell of a job to get better than that, but we can and we will. And there's a lot of questions to be answered from that show. We're very, very close to securing a date for Sport. So I'm sure a lot of things will come to a head there. And a lot of new things will begin there too. But that show was perfect. It was perfect. And and I'm not saying it was perfect in its wrestling. There was mistakes in the ring. There was little rickets, little things that went wrong. But it was a perfect night. I hope everyone comes back for more. Our next show actually is at Westland again. And it's on Sunday, the 11th of September. So it's a Sunday show. It's going to be an afternoon show. And after that, we have Watlington, which is on the 25th of September, which is another Sunday show. But there'll be more information on those shows coming up in the coming weeks. But again, to the wrestlers, to the referees, to the guys who do the music, and above all to the fans... Thank you for making Wesleyan such an incredible experience, not just for the other night, even though that was a pinnacle of some sorts, but thank you for the past 10 years, some people, 11 years, people that have stuck with us. Thank you for fans, old and new. Let's just keep this thing rolling because that sort of experience that happened on on last Saturday can't be confined to just the Western Sports and Social Club and the other halls that we do we need to get bigger we need to do more and we need to spread that sort of excitement to other people other communities and other fans so let's just keep this thing growing because it's it's really 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 starting to hit it's pinnacle at the moment and I'm really pleased and really proud can't say any more than that I don't know what to say just don't know what to say it was just fucking awesome
0: Summed up perfectly there, Jimmy. Thanks for joining me once again. You're a partner in tag, a pal in pod, and utmost a good friend. Thank you also to you, the listener. We really appreciate you tuning in today and supporting the Falling Star Wrestling podcast. If you want to take that support a step further, then there are three things you can do to help out. The first is subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast app, whether that's Spotify, Google or Apple podcasts. This way you can stay up to date with all things Falling Star Wrestling, even if you live somewhere else in the world. Number two, rate and review the Falling Star Wrestling podcast wherever you listen. Honesty is best, but five stars is even better. Finally, follow us on social media. It's at Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget that star, S-T-A-R-R. Stay up to date with all things Falling Star Wrestling and see the stellar work what Matt's been putting on the socials page. Don't forget to join us for more live wrestling action when Falling Star Wrestling returns to where it all went down last Saturday, the Westland Sports and Social Club in Kings Lynn, on September 11th. Remember, that's a Sunday afternoon show. Also in September on the 25th, just two weeks later, we will be invading Watlington for more thrills and spills. We hope to see you there. If you can't make it, well, don't fear, because we'll always bring you up to date here. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. (laughs) Bye-bye.